love to watch. Happy New Year. This is Aaron popping in at the beginning of the episode, uh, commonly known as the Big Bopper, uh, to give you a quick update about this episode and what's coming next. So first, this is an episode on the Santa Clauses Season 2. It is about the middle of January. You may be going and saying, what the fuck, Aaron? Why is this coming out right in this moment? Let me tell you why that happened. This was already going to come out after Christmas. Christmas is a busy time. Things get caught up. We don't always do everything we're planning to do. Also, I can't imagine a less relevant episode for anyone. Theoretically, if we didn't, if we just wanted to throw away content, this would be prime for that because this is a waste of everyone's time. We talk about that about 75% into the episode where we say, who is this episode for? It's not funny. It's not interesting. We're not laughing about it. We spent a lot of it talking about why the first season of the Santa Clauses works. And this season doesn't and how that disappoints us. And there's probably some funny stuff in the end. I don't know. I haven't haven't listened to it. Uh, But uh, I'm not that interested in movie podcasts personally. Uh, but it's, I don't know who this is for. So go ahead and listen. I don't know if you're like a complete collector. Maybe you do have thoughts about the Santa Claus of season two. Did you even know it exists even? Did you know anything about it? I don't know. Why would you? It was barely promoted. Uh, so this is a bad episode probably. Um, also, if you're wondering, like, why is it so late? Why is it so late? I, I take full responsibility for that. I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but it's 100% my fault. And I know you're probably thinking, like, oh, Aaron, such a good friend to Pete. Maybe that means it's actually Pete's fault and Aaron's covering for him. It just seems suspicious because Pete's not even here. And Aaron's like, oh, my God, it's 100% my fault. Um, yeah, it's 100% my fault. I Please do not think that Pete has done anything wrong here, made any mistakes about why this is so late. Uh, It's not Pete's fault. And please, uh, again, I can't stop what you're thinking in your head. I don't have that kind of power yet. But if you are thinking it's Pete's fault, just think differently because it's not. He always tries his best. He's a good boy who does everything that he should. Uh, And, uh, you know, of course... Would I cover for Pete if he had done something that he shouldn't have? Of course I would, because I respect him. and He's a very sensitive, good little boy. Um, But this is not one of those cases. This is 100% my fault that this is late, not Pete's. Please, please, I beg of you, don't send all your angry letters to Pete. Direct him at me. Uh, Think of me like a a martyr for any mistakes of the show, which in this case, they're 100% mine, not Pete's. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, uh, this is our, we're, we're going to do a whole month or a mini month this month. Again, uh, we're doing lethal weapon two, three, and four. Uh, we did lethal weapon a few years ago for Shane black Christmas. And we're like, you know, when we need a really lazy month, we're going to do the lethal weapon movies. Lethal weapon two is good. Lethal weapon three is okay. Lethal weapon four is complicated. Uh, but I think they're all a lot of fun while being kind of terrible message movies about cops as well as, uh, Starring one of the worst people alive. That <laughs> not one of the worst people alive, but one of the worst like people as an actor alive. So that's at least knowing what's coming up next week. In the meantime, if you're so inclined, here is our episode on the Santa Clauses season two, or as we like to call it, our Christmas special. I'm Aaron Armstrong. 
I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch. Starting to think the Santa Clauses has an anti-Italian bias. Unlike this show that has only ever treated Italians with nothing but respect and dignity. Well, okay, so we t- to be fair, we have always contended... Don't ever... And that, that accent was a, was a New Yorker accent. Never look in our back catalog. <laughs> <laughs> ever. No bit. We moved to the no bits. No yeah. Italian bits. Yeah. Um, Someone's gonna gonna point um, some AI that listens to podcasts and, and does transcripts. Uh, at at uh, our past history, and then no. find anytime we said the chat transcript. A, I'm walking here. A, I'm making pizza here. A, pizza pie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you where we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of the month around that theme. One our last week, our Christmas special of Curse Christmas 2023. The Return of the Curse, and that's how curses work. They come back. That's that is exactly how curses work. You may be looking at your calendar and going, "Guys, you're doing your Christmas special after Christmas." And here's what I would say to that: This movie mostly takes place at Easter. So, if anything, or this show, the season of television. So, if anything, we're incredibly early yes. for our Easter special. Correct. On the Santa Clauses. Yes. And we've also proven before that um, it is very hard to come up with New Year's content, to be honest. There's very few. There's like five good New Year's movies. We're not ready to do our best of 2022. That'll probably happen sometime in 2025. (laughs) (laughs) At any time for catch-up. We'll do something next. But I think it's appropriate to do a very non-Christmas-themed Season two of a Christmas themed television show mm-hmm. after Christmas. We're yeah. aesthetically relevant to what the show is trying to do, which is, funnily enough, do exactly what we thought last year's incarnation of the Santa Claus is, which was gonna do, which is suck a ton of ass. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. we were we did this for, we did a cursed Christmas last year, which may just be the only thing we do now because we love it so much. We do love it. We do love it. It's the um, only thing that that's the only thing that will will get me to stop making uh, horror Christmas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my my main push. I mean, this some of this is very horrific, but yes. the the thing is, is we were like, this is gonna suck. We're doing it for Curse Christmas. It Santa Claus three is like one of the worst movies maybe ever. It is mind boggling, mm-hmm. insane and bad. And like is mostly shot on green screen. And it's just like now 20 years later, they're coming back with a Disney plus show when Tim Allen is like, he's not canceled, but he's too dumb to be canceled. Cause everyone's <laughs> just like, listen, bud, you say a lot of dumb things, but no one's expecting all that much of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, what you're saying would have to be, a cogent thought, yeah. For us, to, we I would I would have to. Uh, it, it, it's the equivalent of a grandpa trailing off halfway through a Korean War <laughs> story that you know was gonna be racist, but yeah. he uh, never but got he like, never quite got around to it. Uh, and then he's like, that, "Is the soup ready yet?" So we were like, "This is gonna suck." And then, to our surprise, 
both of us ended up liking it, which is not so surprising. We've talked about, we're not getting into here, uh, that we have a soft spot for Tim Allen in general for that reason. He is, we, we talked about it a lot last year, actually. So the, like the recap, the high level overview, and I actually re-listened to our, some of that episode recently was that he is an idealized version of your boomer dad. Which is, he has all the wrong opinions of stuff, but as, like, shown in stuff like Home Improvement, he would come around in every episode to, like, having respect for women, or having respect for his wife, or caring about his, like, actually relating to his kids. It would reset the next episode, classic sitcom, but when you're watching that as a kid, you're like, oh, this is, like, a version of my dad if he learned lessons. So I think there's a generation like ours who, like, has a little bit of a soft spot for Tim Allen as, like, a out-of-touch person who, at least in film and TV, is like, I wish my dad was a little more like that. Um, and that's that's kind of why we stuck with him. So we, we love the first two Santa Clauses. Peter still watches the third one every year because he <laughs> hates himself. I, I do not. But even... Even with that, we're like, man, this TV show is gun is going to blow very, very hard. And then surprisingly, it was eighty percent a pretty good show that had a lot of funny characteristics. It was kind of like I think all of us were expecting the Tim Allen who was like kids today, and yeah. like he got there's a couple lines like that, but everyone else kind of makes fun of him, and it tells like a somewhat cogent story about. The meaning of Christmas, him with his kids, the 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 idea of like Amazon being able to offer Christmas any day that you want, which is a very like somewhat like cogent, realistic message. It is true. Like I did a you know I was on Amazon for their Black Friday sale and I bought some Christmas gifts and then I had a mini Christmas because ten things came for me too. Yeah, like yeah. you know, it's very easy to feel like that, and so um, it was an interesting concept. And then it also, like, dug deep into the, one of the funniest parts of the Santa Claus movies, which the, the TV show knows is funny, at least the first season did, which is the incomprehensible constant lore of how the Santa Claus clause works and yeah, all the yeah. different permutations and bylaws and asterisks and everything else. So... Uh, and had a very sweet relationship between some of the elf characters, which is like these children playing 700-year-olds that we thought worked really well. This is the show I expected wholeheartedly last season, yeah. which is lazy, uninteresting, doesn't know what to do with any of its characters, derails some of the best relationships, and the only thing it has to say is what if a bad Santa came and wanted to take back over the North Pole, which yeah. is uninteresting and boring. It is. It is Okay, they, well, for one, they've already done it. Um, two, yeah. um, the first season, actually, like I feel like they touched on some new ground for the yeah. series that I think is like pretty cool. Like, yeah. um, I think the idea of Scott Calvin trying to contend with whether or not he needs to retire and move on and pass yeah. on the reins uh, is interesting until they just throw that out the window and just decide the answer is uh, that boomers should never retire. And when they do, nepotism is the next move. Yeah. 
but there's some good points. Like, yeah, the Amazon thing I think is really interesting. Like, uh, the idea that now, because of, like, consumerism has allowed us to, um, yeah, have a, have a little Christmas every week if we want it. Um, yeah. And, you know, the exploitation is happening to real people, not fake magic elves. Yeah. And uh, this season, it is, you're correct, it's lazy, it mistreats its characters, it basically gives nobody a satisfying arc. It reduces most of the characters that got some complexity last season back down to no complexity. It just it opts for an incredibly boring plot where there's just an evil Santa that wants to take over the North Pole, which is the plot of two and three. <laughs> Part of the well, reason three is three is kind of a, a a messy messed up movie is that they're like, what if we did that again? Um, and also starts it starts treating the lore as not a funny thing to put trappings and bylaws into. And an opportunity for jokes. Yeah, an opportunity for jokes. And starts treating it as like here's the true story of how Christmas came to the North Pole and a war between. It like it starts to be a little bit Lord of the Rings, and it's like what I don't care about yes. this at all. They're doing a Game of Thrones thing here, and it is truly the most boring thing on the planet. This is a show designed... The first season, I feel like, was a film script that they expanded out. I, I, I wasn't yep. involved in the writing, but this is, you know, this is how it feels. A film script that it's was expanded out, sense. and they gave... They were like, this character doesn't have enough say in the script. Let's, let's you know, yep. give the, their relationship a little bit more. You know what? While we're doing this back, this... um. Uh, flashback to Santa's of old. Let's also do a joke about Krampus, right? Yeah. Like, this feels like they had a quarter of an idea and then they just treaded water for a long time and it gets into this cursed territory in that, like, anytime, anytime that you're like, hey, that'd be cool to see what they do with this, they do nothing with it. They just actually, yeah. they, they're just like, that. you thought that was interesting? The thing that we just told you for 10 minutes was interesting? We're going to talk about something else you don't give a fuck yeah. about. It's also like, now, humor is subjective. <laughs> I no, find... No, not in this show. I find the first and the second movie funny. Yeah. Do not find the North Pole stuff. I find some of the North Pole. I find Mussolini Santa. And how out of touch he is, a little bit funny. Yes. The Rudolph stuff and the cutesy stuff takes it a little bit away. But generally, I find the human story or the, ba the back on, where are they from, Chicago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they all go back to Chicago, and I think they live in Logan Square. Yeah. Um, I find that good and funny and charming. I was surprised by how funny I found the, the Santa Clauses season one. I found it... It had a lot of good jokes. It was well-written. It was sharp. Like, again, you may watch it and go, this is... I mean, it's kitty humor, but, like, it, it worked. There was legitimately funny jokes. I remember we wrote down a bunch and said, this was funny and this was funny. I gave up writing notes almost immediately when I realized there's, like, nothing funny or interesting to write down. It is what I would have expected from a Disney Plus Santa Claus series and, like, we just need to move the plot forward and crank out six episodes and it doesn't matter if it's, it's so funny or interesting. Like, it's, it's there's nothing here. What's also interesting is that they don't... Okay, so Santa Claus 3 is fun to talk about on the show because it's insane. It's a non-functional, broken movie that's largely shot on green screens with Microsoft <laughs> screensavers in the background. Yeah. And it has Alan Arkin coming in, giving one of my favorite performances in film history because he clearly <laughs> read the script to it. How much am I getting paid? And he goes out, he does his two lines, uh, and then he, you know, he goes back to his trailer. 
Um, it's also fucking. I, insane. I think that this year is like this is like this is the wrong kind of bad. It is. This it's is boring, not man. how the Grinch stole Christmas bad, where you're like yeah. you're uh, Ron Howard, um, where you're like, okay, like this is a like fairly like broken movie on every level. It's obnoxious and annoying, but when you're watching it. There's something compelling in its badness, and like, and I've now seen it like a dozen times, right? Um, maybe it also it, you, it's this is insane. Just boring. It's bland. It's, it's so boring. It's mush. It's it makes the insane. This, if you don't want to go back and listen to our Santa Claus trilogy episode, Santa Claus. The joke in the first one is like, oh, that guy died, <laughs> right? The guy fell off the roof and he died, which is like something to pass over to get this guy the suit. We don't know what happens, and he waves goodbye to like paste it over for the. The, the children that are watching it, like, he's happy to... Santa Claus 3 is like, yeah, that was a human being who, wa- who was murdered, and if Scott Calvin had to go back and do it again, he would murder him all over again. It is insane. Uh, that is an insane plot to have in a movie. Like, Scott Calvin learns to accept the murder and do it on purpose this time. Like, he he, he changes manslaughter to homicide. It's like, the, <laughs> yeah. the way that he grows in that movie, it's fucking nuts. Yes. This, this, like, so yeah, it is a terrible, ugly movie that felt like they were running out of gas and trying to throw... I mean, 2006 Disney, we've talked about it. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. This is like pre-Marvel, pre-Star Wars. Their, all their animated fare was doing terribly. They were they were, they were throwing darts at a dartboard trying to get a hit and doing sequels with, like, un- directors that have never done anything interesting again. Um, and, and it was basically, like as we talked about, it's ABC Family Fodder. Yeah, there was a yeah. period of time where they were like, it needs to cost within this range because that's what our TV movies on ABC family that people are half paying attention to while they bake cookies. That's, that's where this, this fits very nicely for us. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Santa Claus's was surprising and like being interesting and funny and way better than any show had to be. And so we spent two hours talking about how much we liked this show that was like so mockable on every single level and ended up being, Relatively good. I think the reviews, I, I don't think that was us in a vacuum, too. I remember a lot of reviews at the time were like, hey, this isn't bad. Like, if you yeah. want something new and Christmassy to watch. And there was a lot of, I think, like, reluctant praise of something that, you know, should have been memeable and funny. What I think is even sadder about this, like, I didn't even know this was coming out. Like, I think I saw a Facebook ad that's saying the new season premieres or, like, something, like, marginal. No one is talking about a second season of the Santa Clauses. It's barely promoted on Disney+. Plus. When I went there, I assumed it was going to be in the new to Disney+, Plus because it's releasing an episode a week for a while. Like, something that it would throw in your face, like, we have a new season of the Santa Clauses our hit show from last year that we brought back. And I had to finally search for it because it wasn't anywhere on the homepage. Um, That's how like this, this was like kind of a surprise hit or whatever you want. I don't know what constitutes a hit for Disney plus or any streaming channel, honestly, but um, it was was surprisingly well accepted. And it's, it's, interesting that either they knew it was a little bit of a stinker 
or like they just knew that no one like it's that thing where like how do these second seasons get greenlit and then the channel that supposedly greenlit it was like whatever it's there if you accidentally find it great yeah. because um, that's how it felt and and the show's quality reflects how little anyone cares about it. yeah so what i would say here is that we're not yeah like you said i didn't write down bad lines or annoying dialogue um i didn't write down like uh good jokes or anything you know that kind of broke through the morass this is just a half of a concept lazily shat out in a way that feels like late era tim allen where he's just like well my face is on it so it's fine i would say santa claus is if you took the first season and you kind of edited it down to a movie length or something, mm. maybe you cut that episode where they they just do Santas of old. Um, you cut that down to a movie, even like a three-hour movie, um, which wouldn't take you much. These are short seasons. That's why we're covering them. Yeah. Um, I think it would be like my second favorite Santa Claus movie. I think mm-hmm. the Santa Clauses, I think, was very successful. And I think that I like it almost as much as the, the original in how it kind of took some pieces of the thing and then infused new DNA and came up with some jokes that are kind of like out of left field. And then um, also just came back and had like a sincere, nice Santa story to wrap it up. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, I think this is, 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 is they sucked all of the joy out of it. The first season had a comedy writer's room kind of vibe where there'd be actual legitimately good jokes, Mm -hmm. a dumb joke for kids about like a farting reindeer or whatever, and then there'd be um, a joke that was like weirdly dirty or winking at, at the parents yeah. And, like, there was a really good joke in season one about how uh, <laughs> um, Mrs. Claus is saying that, uh, I don't think we would have had any kids if we still had those Punch and Judy dolls in our bedroom. Oh, yeah. And, like, you and I got a big kick out of, like, those kind of jokes. Because, like, yeah, they're, like, obviously, like, a little bit of a dir- dirty joke for parents. But, like, it's a joke riffing on the concept. It seems self-aware season one where it was both people that loved the original show and on the same breath, they were like, or the original movies and on the same breath, they were like, yeah, but that was pretty fucking weird. <laughs> that, that, that that was just like how the first movie was set up or yeah. that piece of set design was particularly fucking weird. And I feel like that, um, that sense of like our past is not that, um, our past is Sacred. not that, that sacrosanct that we can't yeah. tease it a little was great. And honestly, I was on track with the whole show until at the end of the show when Scott's like, you know what the answer is? That I need to believe in me as Santa. Where I was like, the entire show was hinting at this like theme about boomers retiring and moving aside and picking a successor. And there's yeah. a period of time where the show was like, what if the next the next Santa Claus is a person of color? Yeah. And what if there is a Southeast Asian, a Indian American Santa Claus? What if there's a black Santa Claus? Like, the show actually, like, was walking into territory that I thought was like, hey, that'd be kind of fun. Like, he picked person not based on whether or not they were related to him, but based on whether, and also whether or not they were just a random fucking person who picked up a dead man's pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also, it's okay yeah. that he's Whether or not he was qualified was... for the job. He got to pick his successor. Well, and it's also okay that he sucked because part of the lore, Scott Calvin sucked. 
yeah. pretty hardcore too. This idea that like eventually you get absorbed by the true meaning of Christmas regardless of your station and that like the Santa stuff kind of smooths over all of your worst inclinations eventually. Like you do become a good person. Like it's a body horror it, Christmas you, thing. Yeah, when you embrace like the true spirit of it or whatever, like you can and become... the true spirit is a symbiote. Yeah. It takes over this your is, body. But this also, like, even though they make some jokes about it, this is also about, like, hey, what if there was a bad Santa? But not Billy Bob Thornton. Like, <clears throat> an old Viking-ish Santa who declared war on the humans for trying to steal the magic and allied himself with the gnomes to move... You know, Christmas started in Europe. He moved it and put a fortress of magic over it. So humans said, what if that guy's back? It's like, okay, what if he is? Who? Uh, which I actually think is a little sad. So I, I think, who's the guy that portrays uh, Magnus Santa? Oh, Mad Santa is, he's from Modern Family, and his name is Eric. Oh, yeah. Okay. Eric Stone Street. It's Eric Stone Street. So, so I will say this. It's a terrible plot. I think Eric Stone Street does a very good job of... I think he is the funniest part of this show. Yeah, he's someone that on Cutthroat Kitchen was given, like, a turnip and a stick of butter and, yeah. and manages to make a edible meal off it. Like, <laughs> he, like, he's funny because, like, he... The, the, the kind of crux of the show is he has a gnome helper who is kind of re-pushing him to embrace the evil and go back and take back the Santa throne. It's essentially like an orc uh, kind of vibe. Like, the the gnomes in this are, like, war-loving, like, little little golem people. But they're all kids just like the elves are. Yeah. So, and he originally, like, there's some funny stuff where he's like, why would I do this? Have you seen how great this place is? Like, he's using phones and, like embracing it and i like there is a something funny about the an evil santa who just like is like yeah i was evil because of the times but like i'm not i'm still santa and i'm inherently good and now that i don't have to fight back against human encroachment on my magic territory this place is fucking great uh and like there is some there is some funny jokes about like the um like, my favorite joke in the whole season is, like, when they're, like, how do we get anywhere? And someone says, get a ride share. And, like, they are, like, just standing on the street with a goat and saying, why will no one share rides with us? We keep asking. And we've brought dinner for everyone who shares with us. And it's the goat. Like, <clears throat> it's not, like, cutting-edge humor, but, like, again, the, the fish out of water, the evil Santa who's yes. just, like, the, it's the elf shit. Like, it works. There's that movie that came out on Disney Plus with, um, fuck, I'm, I'm now forgetting both names of the people that are in it. Um, the Noel? guy from Barry. Noel. Bill, yes. Hader, Bill Hader and um, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. That is elf. That movie is elf. And it's two very funny people doing a worse version of Elf. Three, three and a half stars. Extremely enjoyable watch. That's a good... That, it, that's why there's such thing as a fish-out-of-water comedy. The format it works. works. The format works. So when they do that for an episode of 
evil Santa being a fish out of water and like just sort of making some unreasonable demands of this like Christmas theme park that exists. It's somewhat funny. And then they go right into like, he's convinced to go be evil Santa, but he needs part of the Santa magic because the magic is in the cloak and he doesn't have the cloak. And then through like weirdo portal usage, part of the training cloak, it's just, it's so convoluted and makes everything less funny, everything less interesting. The only part that's mildly funny again at the end is how easily he gives up trying to take over the North Pole and then puts himself in jail to think about what he's done. Like, there's... That is a thread that could have been not groundbreaking, not amazing, but just mining basic humor from it instead of like, no, 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 this is like the elves are conflicted, things are going wrong, their son's been turned into a nutcracker. Like, yeah. it's just like, what is this? I've got, I've got a way. I this is not, uh, this is t- typically for me. It's typically bad form, but I, I do this whenever we do a cursed Christmas uh, yeah. pro- uh, movie, um, which is um, I'm gonna fix this season a little bit. Okay, they make you think that he's gonna be the villain. Yeah. And then it deflates because he becomes very interested in worldly things. And he's like, well, going to war seems really hard. Yeah. And then you just mine comedy gold out of him being a modern or a, a old school Santa. And the fact that he is irrelevant now because what he used to give out was, what is it, walnuts and clementines or something? Yeah. Walnuts and yeah. oranges? Like, yeah. that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. And then his, if you, if you have to do the gnome thing, like... The gnome being mad because the mad Santa is just completely neutered by the modern world. Yeah. Her her going off on her own journey. Let's jump over as well. So there's Betty from the last season. One of the highlights of the last season was yeah. the head elf is is now Betty, who's a very type A, very like controlling, yeah. um, like a little little girl who's thirteen or whatever. Very yeah. talented actress plays plays Betty. Um, one moment. She's very talented, and her name would be available to me if I had. I you're like you're like Magnus Santa, unable yeah. to use the I, technology in front. IMDb, IMDb is so fucking slow. I know you gotta go to Wikipedia. It sucks so bad. I clicked truly ten count ago. Okay, <clears throat> thank you. Okay. Betty, played by uh, Matilda Waller, super talented young actor. She's really great in Station Eleven. Aaron, you should watch Station Eleven before HBO Max memory holds it. Um, and um, she is sidelined in the season so she can go on Cribble Crabble, which is like Rumspringa for elves, and which is a great idea to have her go off and her be the fish out of water because she has to go live in, it doesn't have to be New York. But, like, her go live off in a different city, and you can do a different vibe, because she's not a chipper elf like Buddy the Elf. She's serious, she's type A, but she's a magical being. Like, that seems like that's good comedy gold. And if she needs somebody to bounce off of, like, she's the straight man, and you need someone who's goofy, you can pair her up with a gnome that now doesn't know... Like, what yeah. to do because her Santa is not psychotic anymore. And they have a buddy buddy set of adventures going through the city. Like, there's so many opportunities to, like, 
bring plots together in interesting ways or ways that at least lean into comedy as opposed to themes. And they opt for neither. Like they don't go for the funniest idea and they don't go for the idea with thematic resonance or character resonance. They just go like, you know, what if um, we were home by three o'clock today? (laughs) Like it feels like a distinctly lazy piece of writing. I have to assume on the background that Disney or Tim Allen, or one of the creators that's, you know, not a big face, wanted to neuter it this season. Something happened where as soon as as soon as they started writing, they were like, okay, the jokes also have to be lamer. Like the quality of the humor cannot be as sharp and witty and thoughtful. The like we can't spend that long talking about like the dating life of any of these characters because that's a little too adult. Kids don't care about that. Like, so it ends up being this this this, this compromise between everything in a way that feels kind of Disneyfied. It feels like a modern Disney thing where you're like, yeah. you're like, oh, so you reached out to all four quadrants and all sixteen sub quadrants and you kept buffing off anything that might be controversial on Twitter for Nazis. Uh, so now you don't have a show. You just have a weird lump of content. Yeah, I also, like... Again, I don't know exactly, but, like, this was on Letterboxd as a miniseries. That's what it was announced as, right? Like a six-episode miniseries. And then January of this year, they said, oh, we're going to do a second season. So it's possible, like, in the effort of throwing together a second season to be ready by November. Now, that's actually, like, a long time for a TV show who takes a couple months off and comes back, and it's only six episodes. But I also just get the sense that they just were like, if you're doing a TV show that you know is going to have another season, you probably are thinking about, like, if you're, like, making any TV show, you're like, we're doing season one and we're going to plant some seeds or start thinking about season two. Like they probably had to shoot this pretty quickly. And I mean, who knows if anyone even cared, there probably was some, I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions, but there probably was some passion with, Hey, I got an idea for how we do a legacy sequel TV show for the Santa Clauses, And let's break that. And it's a mini series and it's on letterbox and that's how it's announced. And then all of a sudden it's like, in January, they're like, hey, let's have a second season. There are special effects in this. Let's put it together pretty quickly. We have to cast. We have to write. We have to figure out what this is. My guess is it's just like by the nature of that became super lazy because, I mean, did they go back to Disney and say, we have another pitch? Or did Disney go, this was successful for us. Go do another thing. And everyone went, okay, we'll go do another thing. But like they didn't, they didn't have to work that hard there. They just had to, the writers just had to work hard to not piss off Disney or Tim Allen. Yeah. And so they threw out 30 ideas and, and uh, every single one of them made it into the show in a a quarter of a concept. Yeah. And like, like, what if we did a Game of Thrones riff? And Tim Allen's like, oh, I like that. That's really relevant. That's really the show that ended five years ago. That's really relevant. Well, yeah. Like, and I think you're right, though, that like, this is such a fixable show. There's so many things they could have done. Why don't they make Tim Allen like the villain? And the night the the evil Santa ends up being fine, and Tim Allen's like forcing his kid to do this, and the evil Santa has to come back and teach him the true meaning of Christmas or something. Like, 
there's so much stuff of like it's about training your kid to be the next one. They kind of throw that out, and it's more about a dad not liking his son's girlfriend. But then they break up in episode three suddenly. Like she breaks like up with him in a way that has absolutely no lead in, and then they get back together with absolutely no lead in, yeah. and you're like, you wasted both of these actors' time. What are we doing they, here? They kind of are. They, I, I. It's not so. Tracy Morgan has a cameo as the Easter Bunny. It's so depressing. It's so depressing. He gets turned into an actual bunny immediately, and it's like it's this whole thing of like introducing a stupid problem that you don't care about and doesn't make any sense, and they introduce it at the same time that it becomes a problem. So, the young, the Santa's daughter, who is very sidelined in this season, by the way, while the while the male heir is becoming the next Santa Claus. The whole point of the last movie was that like you needed both of them. You needed the whole family. They have different Santa related powers and blah, blah, blah. And like, no, Santa had never sired kids. So like, it's not one of them who can be Santa. It's both of them that needs to kind of come together. And this one, they're like, yeah, the daughter's off with the witch learning witch powers and the son Santa. That's what we're going to do. Even though he doesn't want to be Santa, he's a big goofball. They decide, so she's learning to be a witch and her witch powers, which they at first just talk to animals, and then she discovers she's even more powerful. The crux of this, though, is that Tracy Morgan as the Easter Bunny gets turned into a bunny on accident, which is an easy spell for a witch to do, but, you know, it's almost an impossible spell for a witch to do an untransformation spell, which they let you know right after a transformation has occurred. What, like, what, I'm not saying magic needs to make sense, but the fact that she so easily transforms him into a bunny and then they're like, there's fucking no way to do this. That's the <laughs> one spell. That's the one spell that we have trouble doing is the yeah. untransformation. It's like, you're, you're just making up, like... It shouldn't be so transparent that you're making up problems for your own made-up magic nonsense. And then that becomes a big part at the end because the sun gets turned into a nutcracker. It's like, great, another one of these transformations. Easy to do, fucking impossible to undo for some reason, unless you believe in yourself or some shit. Like, it's so stupid. And they, they, like, the, the the laying the track after you've already got off the rails style plotting just, like, never stops the whole time. The, the, the fact that, like, okay, like, La Bufana, as a character in season one, is, like, a cute idea. You take this, like, very regional concept of, like, a Christmas witch, basically. Yeah. And you're like... Okay, she's going to get a cameo, she's going to be, like, minorly plot important, but it's mostly, like, a funny and cute way for Tim Allen to get, like, one of his old comedy buddies on TV. And in season one, it wasn't annoying. This season, that, like, accent work and, like, the character just, like, are stretched beyond their confines, and it is... It is like watching if someone, like, they got famous off of doing, like, an impression of their boss. Yeah. And then they're like, we give, we're going to give you a sitcom where you're doing an impression of your boss. And you're like, awesome, great. What, what are we going to do with that? And they're like, we don't, want, we don't want episode ideas out of you, okay? We want you to do an impression of your boss for 22 episodes on ABC in prime time. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a cute little idea, you know? It's something, like, people can do as, like, a, you know, like a, like a, 
like a side kind of like little bit. But it's yeah. like taking like a skit comedy idea and then being like, this should be a season of a television show. <laughs> like, God, even the Oh Hello guys who had a genius concept, John Mulaney and, and Nick Kroll, a genius yeah. concept were like, you know, this should be like a live show with some improv elements and then we can stop it. We don't need to like do this yeah. forever. <laughs> Yeah, it is it, everything in here, and they just, it is, it feels like, oh yeah, Michael Dorn can come back, great, I like Michael Dorn. He's he looks the same. Michael Dorn, as were Kevin Pollack, who is like all, I think Michael Dorn is de-aging Kevin Pollack to keep him young. He has a, Michael Dorn has a picture in his attic of, of Kevin Pollack <laughs> uh, at 100 years old. <laughs> Michael Dorn stays young that way. Do you think Michael um, Dorn just looks young to me because he was so wrinkly in his early career? I mean, yeah, it's it's like, oh my god, his forehead is so smooth. <laughs> what is what creamer does he use? <laughs> it's actually he's gotten a lot of work done in his forehead. Yeah, yeah, he really smoothed out those bumps. Thirty minutes. He was like he looked like John Merrick earlier in his career. Now he's just like he's just a young hip dude. Um, <laughs> but. Michael yeah, Dorn does look great, and he comes in the show, and I was so excited for them to have new bits about, um... um he's the Sandman. Yeah, the Sandman. have new bits about the Sandman, and then they come in, and they're like, what if we put the Sandman to sleep by being very sleepy? And you're like, that's... Sure. Well, because they do this, again, like... The that's at least that a bit for an episode, and then he goes away. They're not doing this thing where he's, like, a five-episode plot where they're like, can we come up with new ways to put the Sandman to sleep? Well, the pro- like the problem, the annoying thing is, is that like it's what you talked about. They introduce things, and it's like this is actually nothing. There's a bit early on where they like they turn the Easter Bunny into a bunny because an untransformation spell is the hardest spell to do, as we all know. And so there's like something around if the Council of Legendary Creatures find out that there's no Easter Bunny, it's going to be a problem. And they're like, that's an episode. And so, like, they lie to Cupid, and they lie to Sandman, and then they're like, this is perfect Santa training, we're gonna go hide Easter Bunny eggs. And, like, it's like an episode and a half, and it's like, but also the Easter egg leaves stink eggs, so, which of course is another thing we all know, and so, oh my god, this dumb fucking kid hit all the stink eggs instead of the other eggs, um... Like, it's just so, like, introducing challenges for the sake of, like, we need five more minutes of this episode. Some of it, the there and, like, there is, like, a little sliver of this could be funny. I love the idea that none of the Council of Legendary Creatures quite get how the Easter Bunny works. Like, they get yeah. how Santa works. They get how Cupid works. I like that it's like, how could we possibly cover no one understands what this is at all? Was he friends with Jesus? Like, all these other things that, like, that is... Also, really a, quickly, notable. I don't know if the word Jesus is said in Christmas movies much these days. Yeah. Um, And this is not me uh, on my soapbox as a born-again Christian. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I honestly think, like, most Christmas music and most Christmas movies kind of lean into the secular, because yeah. it's become, as I discussed in Polar Express, it's become kind of a secular holiday, uh, and, but hearing them talk about Jesus, like, it's not the same as them talking about Krampus, like, them talking about, like, or La Bufana, like, them talking about Jesus, like, oh shit, this is, like, 
now religious all of a sudden? Well, but it's very funny, and I don't know if this is purposeful, is that they talk about Jesus as it relates to Easter. They they don't mention him as being related to Christmas in any capacity, which I think is very funny. Like they don't they don't try to like square that like they Christmas has its own mythology. They admit that there's a Jesus and they acknowledge the day that he's crucified and that they don't know why the Easter bunny is celebrating for him. I think that is somewhat actually funny. That is funny um, because it is not fun to go back through the like the story for a bunch of kids it's yeah. way more fun to just be like we don't know either like well and again because nobody's parents ever explain this idea you're like well bunnies don't lay eggs they have live births because they're mammals and your parents are like shut the fuck up yeah i mean the again it's not like it's not like cutting edge stuff but i will say there is a germ of humor in all these mythical creatures being equally flummoxed at how this other mythical creature is supposed to work. Or You're right. Does. There is a there is a concept of an idea that is never executed there that yeah. is like very funny. Yeah. And the it's very fun because it's like you're completing a math problem and you're like, yeah. well, then you you know you. You, uh, you know, <laughs> you take out your uh, TI-84 and you do the numbers and you get you get out your graphing calculator and you take the hypotenuse and then uh, yada yada. Anyways, there's the solutions probably at the end of this. Like, you need to get to the solution for me to give you too much credit there, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah, well, again, the, the funny, you, you, like, the f- it, it, you do, like, I, I, it's, it's, it's actually, like, more uh, closely related to, like, I like it's like you gave me like a bunch of raw elements of of a joke. You're giving me a bunch of like raw ingredients, and you're like, you're like, there's a bit in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Thank and, you. Then, that, the, and the then it comes out. You're like, it. oh, you thought the funniest part there was the fact that he lays stink. Like the fact that he lays stinky is like again the the funny part. The thing you should have leaned in is that like none of this makes sense, even among mythical creatures that don't make any sense. But yeah. this really doesn't make any sense and instead of like leaning into the parts of that that don't make any sense and trying to mine it for humor which sometimes the santa claus movies and tv show do effectively this doesn't make sense we're gonna have a dumb explanation for it and everyone's gonna be a little bit like oh that's how that's supposed to work like that is a somewhat funny concept instead of like leaning into the part that is confusing and perplexing and everything else, they add a new part that is not part of the mythology that the Easter bunny sometimes lays stink eggs and they make that the crux of it. So it's like, it's not even that they like gave you the raw ingredients from the, from the recipe. It's like they, you're right. They didn't complete the joke. They didn't cook the meal. But instead, they're like, oh, yeah, we fucked up that whole thing. Here's a tuna fish sandwich. It's, it's pretty old. <laughs> like, they didn't even use any of the raw ingredients no. for their final meal, which is like, which is why it's so goddamn frustrating because it's, it does feel like they're just like, you know, not to, not to like use this again. It is like, the, you know, the South Park guys, which I don't even want to get into because they, they equally are very funny and suck quite a lot. But, they have that good, like, screenwriting uh, class that they taught. Um, and it has the thing of, like, 
if you're writing a screenplay that says like and then and then and then with no connective tissue between it you're it's a terrible story and you're not connecting plots and it's bad writing and like everything should be but therefore like things follow and like this season just reminds me so much of and then writing it is just boring because it's like and then the Easter Bunny's there. And then he lays stink eggs. And then they're not able to change it back because they can't do the transformation spell. And then they have to go. It's like nothing means anything. It's just like, how do yeah. I get to the next 10 minutes of story so that I can move on to the next 10 minutes of story? And, and, and there's a million reasons for that, right? Like, it's not character driven. It's not plot driven. So it's nothing, right? Like, it's, yeah. Um, Man, I would love a season that is, like, half-dominated, like, a season that's just, like, fucking around. Like, it begins, and you think it's gonna be this big epic battle against an old Santa, and it's just fucking around, and at the end of the season, it's Scott Calvin realizing, like, I need to step down. Um, and then next season, we're just interviewing Santas the whole time, and we go on a journey, and there's time travel, whatever, fucking do whatever you want next season, but, like... A season where it's just, like, Betty doing elf shit, but, like, from her perspective. Um, probably not in New York, because they already did that, but, like, somewhere else. Great idea. You know, like, go run with that. They don't have character movements for anybody. No. And so, what it, the and then plotting is, like, something at the beginning. You are, it's, like, full of promise. You're like, all these ideas sound fun. They seem a little scatterbrained right now, but, you know, yeah. this is like, you know, a show, these shows tend to be very, um, uh, candy driven, you know, like a sugar rush. Like, uh, they're not, this is not a substantial meal and it doesn't have to be, right? Uh, and then you get to the end and you're like, I just feel sick, man. Like, it is just, it is just eating yeah. a bowl of random mixed candy and then feeling sick afterwards. And you're like, I don't even like Skittles. Why did I eat so much Skittles? That is yeah. the experience of watching Santa Claus this season, too. 100%. And also, like, the the other thing I'll just say, and, like, I'm not saying there's not good versions of this, but I am, like, I understand it's just, like, how do you mind drama from a powerful or someone with a lot of power, but, like, man, I I don't need to see any more stories about people being the characters that we love that don't want to be the characters that we love anymore. Like, it is just pervasive. Like, yes, there are good versions of it, but do I need to keep seeing James Bond movies where every movie doesn't want to be James Bond? Like, do I need to see, like, all these... Half the Marvel characters now, every movie, they're like, I should quit being Iron Man. I should quit being this. Like, can you just be the thing that I want to go see? You like, Like, we already had a whole season about he doesn't want to be Santa Claus, and at the end he's like, you know what? I'm fucking Santa Claus and my family. We're the Santa Clauses. And now he's like, I gotta get, stop being Santa Claus and make my kid be Santa Claus. Just let him be Santa Claus. You know, the the fun thing about Santa Claus 2 is it's a movie. The first movie is him rejecting that he's Santa Claus. And Santa Claus 2 mines a lot of comedy, emotion, and other things from this guy who realizes he's lo- he loves being Santa Claus. He has fully embraced the fact that he is fucking Santa Claus. He loves living up in the North Pole. He's got his beard year round. He's running stuff. He's like, I love Santa Claus. And the thing there is that because of this other, the Mrs. Claus, he 
uh, he lo- he's about to lose the ability to be this thing that now he loves, this super-powered magic man who <laughs> runs a toy factory and eats chocolate milk all day. Like, he loves it. And, like, that is a funny thing of not being the the guy who has all the power and everything that he could ever want and is the super cool and whatever else. He's, I'm sick of that. I would just want to go back to my other life. Like, that is something of a boring, dramatic concept because if you're in the audience, it's really hard to relate to. Again, there are good movies that tackle this very well. But, like, it is hard to go, hey, guy complaining about being Santa Claus. Be pretty cool to be fucking Santa Claus. Hey, James Bond. Be kind of cool to be James Bond. Hey, Batman. Like, all yeah. these people, it's it's hard to get right, and they just did it. And Santa Claus 2 is so much fun because, yes, he doesn't, he has, like, a certain amount of magic, so he can't just be doing magic all the time. I get that. But, God, he loves using those magic things, <laughs> like, any chance he gets in that movie because he fucking loves being Santa Claus. Yeah. And, like, there can be pe- pathos in... Us watching the movie where you're playing a character that we like and going, I love being this guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what you're saying is you wouldn't want to watch the movie that I wrote uh, a 200-page script for um, called The Blowjob Reviewer. <laughs> and uh, it's about a blowjob reviewer that doesn't want to be a blowjob reviewer anymore. Um, he's sick of the hustle and bustle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the yeah. Bustle, that guy's... The bustle and nuddle. <laughs> Again, I can say, like, oh, my God, I, it is probably really trying to be the blowjob reviewer and, and getting all the blowjobs all the time, especially when you get a bad one. Like, I'm sure that's not the best thing. Like, no. now, normally a bad like, blowjob is better. why am I doing this? Yeah, normally. A, is this really my bad, calling? <laughs> normally a bad blowjob is better than no blowjob. But if you're the blowjob reviewer, I'm assuming you actually, a bad blowjob is kind of annoying because you're just kind of sick of them in general. Like, I get that. But, again, if your market is like, hey, you know who's going to understand this? 14-year-old boys. I got to tell you, they're not picturing a world where too many blowjobs exist. (laughs) (laughs) So, they are, you're going to alienate the the target audience. It is true. Okay, so I've been saying, I've been saying, I said this year and I said last year that, like, I kind of like the idea of a boomer Santa Retiring, passing on the crown, having to find a successor. You are correct, sir, that, like, if we like Santa Claus, we're like, it's probably a pretty fucking good gig, you know? Like, I don't picture Santa Claus being like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tim Allen is Santa Claus. Love that Tim Allen asked. Oh, he hates it. Oh, he hates being Santa Claus again. (laughs) Nobody wants to watch. Nobody wants to watch the movie based off my script, The Blowjob Reviewer. Like you want Santa Claus to be happy about being Santa Claus. And I also understand. I also understand you need some dramatic tension in there. It's not the most you know dramatically tense thing. Also, I don't think that you could make after. Was it the first movie in 94? Yeah. I don't think after uh, almost 20 years you can make a movie where Tim Allen gets fucking blown off the roof with a shotgun. 30 years. Yeah, sorry, 30 years. I don't think you could do... I don't think you could could make that happen. Um, No, they're not going to... I don't think Tim Allen would sign up for a project where you get to see him in Glorious Bastards out of a window because somebody open carries every night. (laughs) All screenwriters just, like... If you're making a movie about an iconic character that audiences want to see, make that guy enjoy it a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Like, 
make that person love being that person. Like, there's, I mean, there's, there's, it's not like omnipresent. There's like, there's, there's good superhero and good, you know, iconic things where people love to be the person. But like, for the love of God, like, I have to watch another six episodes of, of Tim Allen being the Santa Claus where he's like, I hate this. <laughs> like, not as much as I do at this point, Tim Allen. I hate it more. <laughs> Can you enjoy um, being Santa Claus? You have your whole family up there. They got magic powers. You get, like, figure out some other conflict besides how do I quit and go live in Florida and yell at Fox News? Like, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I think the show will be renewed. Uh, I I don't know. I feel like even when you go to Wikipedia, they don't even have episode summaries for season two. That's the kiss of death of how many people cared about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is a lot of it is fan generated. I mean, they're fans that have some sort of some sort of disease where they want to update a Wikipedia page after they're done watching a television episode. But um, they're it's a who's worse than the person that corrects it? Like it's literally like, the only hold on. Yeah, literally these these fucking intolerable nerds are the only people keeping um, one of the only decent uh, open open. Uh, open use web sources we have alive. Yeah. So I shouldn't make fun of them too bad, but you're right. If even they are like, hmm. I'm not watching it. <laughs> I don't know if I need to, uh, I don't know if I need to provide a, a synopsis for the episode B E T T Y. What was the one? Foofy. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was almost, again, almost a joke. They name a whole episode Foofy because Scott Calvin's son and his girlfriend are, like, being annoyingly cute, which he hates. Uh, and again, they had a chance to kind of do an Arrested Development egg thing, but then they fuck it up every they single time. Oh, um, that's but, disgusting. But they, uh... Um... He calls it a mayon egg. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Are you going to be... Okay? Just sit down for a second. Um, the, but they, they have a... a kind by the way, like, real quickly... His son is 18 years old. Keep that in yeah, mind when you're... that's very clear. They do go to their senior prom that they make at the North Pole for no reason at the end with the most senior prom song and a terrible cover, but we don't need to get into They have no idea stuff. how to contend with the thing you're talking about, which is that, like, hey, wouldn't it be great to live at the North Pole, but also it's fucked up to have these weird dog tooth kids running around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thankfully, I, I had to listen to our whole episode. There is a 100% chance we made dog tooth jokes on last year's episode. In the first seven minutes, I imagine. Okay, great. Um, that sounds like us. Uh, the, but like, uh, so like the whole thing about Foofy is that it's the, it's their pet name for each other. They call each other Foofy. And again, there's a mildly funny joke because they're elves with silly names where Tim Allen is confused and goes, huh? That's Foofy. And yeah. he points to one of the elves who looks very embarrassed that they have taken his name and used as a pet name. It's like, again, it's if that was like a running bit of like something. But not only is that such a minor thing, they call the episode Foofy. That's like their thing they're hanging this whole thing on in episode two. Like, how funny is this? And it's just like, it's... It's a bummer, man. This is a cursed Christmas. This, this is, is everything a cursed we Christmas. De- also, this is the everything fact that we they, deserved. I, I also take a great amount of... Um, I, I guess the word is uh, disappointment. That we have, like, talented comedic actors who are, like... Honestly, 
like have their prime years ahead of them, possibly. Yeah. Like, like I I think uh, Eric Stone Street in particular, like now very he good. did uh, Modern Family for eleven years, which is a very funny show. It's it's very recursive of itself. It just does the same shit over yeah. and over and over again. But like, I watched like seven years of it, and it was entertaining. For you seven saw years. all of it. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> you missed four seasons, but you saw all of it. Yeah, um, it's it's a very funny show that has good good uh, comedy chops, but is is you know it kind of keeps. It's on people. for eleven years. Yeah, it's on too long. It should have been on for six years, and then it would have been you know pretty pretty legendary as one of the squeaky clean wholesome you know family comedies. Um, but he did that, and now he's kind of like free to do whatever he wants, whatever. And then he gets to do this big role. He gets to play Santa, this like fucked up weird version of Santa. And they give him barely anything to do. And I don't think this person's like, maybe their peak is ahead. Maybe it's not. But like Gabriel Iglesia is like a big comedy superstar in the Latin world. And is like been a very, very successful touring stand-up comedian for 20 years. This is not someone that like, does improv shows in basements in LA. This is someone that like tours a lot and like he gets to come in. They bring in this guy who's like objectively a bigger deal than Tim Allen, like objectively a bigger deal than Tim Allen and somebody that can still sell up big arenas and shit. And he basically comes in and just giggles and says like, Oh, you're a Santa for six episodes. We're talking three hours over yeah, and he, over again. He, is, he gets he no, is so not funny. He gets yes. no bits. No Zero bits. bits. He's so he's annoying just, on the show. He's just a little joyful. Uh, it's such a fucking waste. And like also last season I remember I liked the kid. And I, I oh, liked yeah. both, I liked the kids. And I, I like the weird himbo son who's just kind of like sweet but dumb. He's yeah. very buddy the elf. But probably more plausible that he could bag um Zoe Deschanel. Yes. Will Ferrell has... has... Even today, you're saying? He's 18. He's 18. (laughs) No. They made it very clear. I mean, at the time of Elf, whatever. They're both 20-something, early 20-somethings. But, like, he is, he's he's like a handsome, whatever, funny, you know, young guy. And this season, they just, like, had, he, his character... They freeze him for two episodes. Yeah. I mean, they make him a nutcracker. Yeah, they make him a nutcracker. Like they just throw, they just throw any opportunity for anybody to do anything fucking funny in the trash. And it's yeah, like it's... they had a funny thing. Like the he is there's. I mean, essentially, it's a show that's a bunch of fish out of water, right? Yeah. He, uh, the two kids. Oh yeah, when they are... go back to the real world and the like, that's funny stuff. It's also funny that he gets Christmas, tossed yeah. into Gen Pop in a high school. Yeah, and he yeah. loves it. He loves yeah. everything. He loves yeah. when someone's mean to him because it like reminds him of movies he's seen or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just like dog tunes. Yeah. It's just it yeah. feels real to him. So he's like, oh my god, this is this is fucking rad. Like yeah. the kids the kids actually enjoyed their life outside the North Pole. And then this season they're like, actually, we need to retreat back. We need to go back to uh whatever our first draft of the first season was. And yeah, it's he's a, she's a witch. I it's guess. a dumb show for babies, ultimately, and uh, yeah, I feel exactly. dumb for yeah. um, expecting more for the dumb show for babies. But when I watched it, the did first do season, this was... really mean thing to us where we were so ready to do this sort of episode last year, and then we're like, God, it's kind of good. And then we had actual expectations that this could be good. And then it was garbage. And, and also, I Almost really garbage. regret how serious the first 40 minutes or so of this episode is going to be. Because, like, 
Like, who, 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 yeah, who is, yeah, it is true. This this episode is for absolutely no one, which is like many Christmas presents that you got. (laughs) Because we're not goofing on it enough. And we're talking about how the second season of the Santa Claus's TV show was very disappointing to us as fans of the first season. Yeah, Peter, let's fucking cut our losses because this is for... If anyone has made it this far, what are you getting out of it? There's like a very small window of people who feel the same way as us and it's probably like bill fox yeah like, that's bill fox um if you're still listening person. though i really i'm grateful and please write in and tell us how you think that on the south side of chicago there could be a santa city that is expected to be successful year round well the whole point is it's not Peter. but like everyone's like why isn't this making more money in april <laughs> It's Easter time. It's for stink eggs. No one is making bits about the fact that that this Santa city should not exist. Look, if you're in a big enough city, any store, it's a weird like movie thing where if you're in a big enough city, any store can survive yes. no matter how weird. Because there's so many people, there must be a sliver enough to keep the store running. And I gotta tell you, nope. No, not, <laughs> not on this one. one. Um, yeah. This one so, so, we're done. Curse Christmas is officially over. We let you go to 2024, which is sure to be a terrible year, um, (laughs) as all years are now. Um, But (laughs) um, we don't know what we're doing in January. We don't know if we'll be back right away in January. We're still in mystery mode. You got cursed Christmas quickies. Will you get some uh, uh, – Jip, jumping jipper Januarys. Will will they had, get the thing I had, you just said? I had nothing. I kept reaching down. It was completely empty. What could I was going to possi- say it, but I feel like a slur would come a out juke? on accident. <laughs> I know. I was worried about that, too. <laughs> um, so, uh, with that, Merry well, Christmas does to Santa all. Claus not have uh, slurs for elves? That would be a fun bit. Anyway, sorry. Go on. Would it? Would Tim Allen doing that be a fun bit? Uh, but with that, yeah, Merry Christmas to all, which was four or five days ago for you, and to all a good night. Santa looked a lot like Daddy. Our Daddy looked a lot like him. It's not the way I had him pictured. Santa was so much too thin. He didn't come down the chimney, so Mama must have let him in. Santa looked a lot like Daddy Our Daddy looked a lot like him Well, they thought I was fast asleep And they thought I was tucked in bed They never thought that I'd come a peep in Or that I'd hear what was said Santa put his arm around Mama And Mama put her arm around him So if Santa Claus ain't Daddy Then I'm gonna tell on them Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. 
If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. Show, we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, with kisses and smooches. Peter and Aaron. <laughs> Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs>